chapter 3. We're going to talk about operating in the kingdom. You know, a lot of times Christianity kind of has uh, ebbs and flows with different lingo and languages and and um, and sometimes in those flows and, and, and so forth, we kind of lose some of the pillars of truth. What are the pillars of truth? What are the things that are that remain for year after year, generation after generation? And the thing that the Lord came and said right away, even before the Lord came, actually, his messenger that came before him, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In John chapter 3, there was a man, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher from God. Now this is interesting that he's saying this at this point. I mean, this is John chapter 3. By John chapter 8, the language, the attitude changes. <laughs> but, it, but at least in John chapter 3, the consensus amongst the Pharisees is, you know, he, he's a teacher. He's come from God. He's got some very valid, very true, very powerful things, and, he's, and he's, he's communicating these things to us. And he says, For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus didn't say, Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're catching on here. <laughs> He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? See, that's always our challenge when the Lord tries to speak things to us is sometimes we try to wrap our natural head around certain things and it messes with us it puts kind of a a roadblock or a barrier there and we have to say okay lord i have no clue what you meant <laughs> but i know that you speak truth you know when the disciples um, when Jesus told the disciples, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there was the 70 that were following him, it, it just freaked them out. They're like, he's taking us into cannibalism. This is really getting weird. We kind of thought something might be a little off with this. You know, we had that kind of reservation in the back of our mind. But now we know this is this something's off here. And the Bible says they walked with him no more. Then he looked at the 12 and he says, are you going to leave me? And they said, no. Who else has the words 
of eternal life. You know, if you don't understand something, don't walk away. Yeah. Don't turn your back. Just say, Lord, you're the one. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand how you're doing what you're doing. But I know this. You're the one. You're the Lord. You have life. I belong to you. And I'm sure Jesus had some good conversation with them, and I'm sure he began to break it down to them and expound things to them. And they go, oh, now we get it. But there's some times in our life we just don't get it. We're there, we're getting closer, but we don't get it. Don't turn your back. Just don't. Just go to the truth. God is good. God loves you. He's working all things together for your good. It doesn't look like it, but there's something that he's doing right now in this situation, even though it doesn't feel good, even though I don't understand it, even though it's difficult, he's doing something right now in this situation for my good. And I'll find out later, you know, it's kind of like your kids. They want to have a cookie before dinner, right? They want to have that bowl of ice cream first. And you as a parent know that if you give them that, they're not going to eat their dinner because now they're, they're, their appetite is satisfied. Their hunger cravings are gone. But how do you explain that to them? But see, if they say, okay, guess what? They eat their dinner, and then they get their cookie and their ice cream. They find out later. They get the treat later. Just remember with God. Just, just put this little thought in your mind. If you're going through something and you don't understand what it is, why it is, how it's working out, and it seems difficult, just know that God is going to give you a treat later. <laughs> Amen? Amen. So Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now what's interesting in here is, first he said, you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Then he says, you must be born of the Spirit and water, and then you enter into the kingdom of God. Now let me ask you this. What is better? To see your brand new car or to sit in your brand new car and drive it? What's better? <laughs> Amen. And, you know, Jesus doesn't, he just doesn't say things without meaning and without purpose. There's something here that he's trying to convey. There's a difference between seeing. Jesus told, came to uh, Peter and he said, you know, Peter said, some, some are saying you're, you're Elijah, some are saying you're this, you're that. Peter looks, or Jesus looks at Peter and he says, but who do you say I am? And Jesus said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord said, blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my which is in heaven. He was seeing something. He was getting a glimpse of something. But even though he was getting a glimpse of something, he still did not enter into that yet. 
He even told his disciples, he said, the Spirit, you know the Spirit, for he's around you. He's with you. He's activated. He's moving. He's doing things. And you can sense him and you can see him. But someday he will be in you. There's a difference. You know, sometimes as God is beginning to deal with us in spiritual things, we're starting to see stuff, right? We're starting to see this. We're, oh, I see this. I see how this works. I see what this is. But what does it take to enter into that? And here he said, you're born of the spirit and of the water. Now, water is interesting because if we look at this in the natural, we know that H2O does not have the spiritual powers and, and, and abilities to transform a life. But when we look at the word water in the Bible, a lot of times it just refers to cleansing. And the Bible talks about us being born or being begat of the truth. They were begotten of the gospel, the word of God. And, and, and the only way for that word to come in and be able to impart something to us as we have to open up to it. We have to surrender something to it. We have to give ourselves, and that's what repentance is. So as we're, as, you know, as we're moving along in things, as we're starting to see things, we, we don't want to just, you know, oh, I see this. Oh, this looks cool. We want to enter in. And that's why the Lord is doing some things in us, in this church, to really get us to, to go deeper on certain things, submission in certain areas, repentance in certain areas, yielding in certain areas, because there's things that he's going to do that he's already doing on the earth, and he's going to do it in us and through us, but we're going through a cleansing process so we can enter into these things. And then he goes on to say, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone that is born of the spirit. So what he's saying here is that when they become born again, when we become born again, we enter into the kingdom of God. Now, when you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I, I put my faith in you. I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to live inside of me. Then he takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and he translates you into the kingdom of God's dear son. Now, when I became born again, I didn't feel like I was picked up, carried. <laughs> A lot of things seemed the same. Even some of my habits were still the same. But the significant difference that I recognized right away was that God was no longer a million miles away, and he was no longer mad at me. Amen. He was right there. I could talk to him. There was an open door. There was a fellowship. And then 
And I, I kind of had a different development because I didn't have a church. I was kind of like just for the first three to six months, just kind of hopping around with different meetings, um, just trying to, you know, like, like I, would, I was told I got to read my Bible every day. It's important. So, I, you know, I'd pour a, a brandy old-fashioned, sit down, and crack open my Bible and start reading my Bible, you know, and with a cigarette or two in between. But I was reading my Bible. That's all I knew. You're right. But as, I, as the more I read my Bible, guess what? I go to a party, I come home, and I get on my knees. I say, God, I can't do this anymore. This isn't right anymore. I'd be sitting around with guys and getting high, and all of a sudden I'd look at their faces, and I would see death on every one of their faces. And I'm like, I don't belong here. This isn't for me. And even though in my conscience I was struggling um, in my willpower to say no. See, that was the, the problem. In, my, in my, my conscience, I knew what was right and I was being changed. But in my willpower, I couldn't say no to these things. Because I was trying to fight them through conscience. I was trying to fight them through my own strength. But then one day. And I'm telling you, the contrast was night and day. Because one day, I'm sitting there with some friends, and, you know, they get in the circle, and they pull out the pipe, and they start passing it around, and I'm smoking with them. That evening, we went to an evangelistic meeting, and God got a hold of me. And he didn't say, I'm really getting mad at you. You're smoking that weed still. You didn't do that. <laughs> but he said, it's time to let go of that. And I said, um, there's a problem, God. <laughs> this is how I have fun. See, the reason why I got into drugs is I came out of a broken home. I came out of an abusive father, and I was looking for something to fill my life. I was looking for something to, to give me fun. As a young, uh, young teenager, I wanted something to give me happiness. And I thought I found it in this drugs. And so I associated happiness with getting high. So I couldn't, my identity... My identity, I couldn't let go of that. And you know what I said to God? I said, God, why are you taking away my fun? <laughs> That's what I said. And God said, you have to believe that I know what's best for you. I created you, and I know what's best for you. And then a, a light bulb went off. The Bible says that God is the God most high. <laughs> so, if I want the most high, I got to go to God. <laughs> got to go to God. And so, uh, my faith could connect. See, my faith could connect. At that moment, my faith could make a connection. 
Before I was trying in my own strength. Before I was trying to do it in my own conscience. I was doing all of these things to try to change. I couldn't change. But when I realize who God is and what he's done for me and what he gives me, and I can make a connection and I can engage him with faith in that, the power of God hit me. The next day, I went over to my friend's house. The same group of friends came. They all sat in a big circle. Out comes the pipe, and it comes to me. And I put my hand out and said, I don't need it anymore. It wasn't shortly after that. I'm walking down the street, and I look down on the ground, and here's a full bag of weed. <laughs> and I'm like... I served you all those years, and you never gave me a bag of weed, and now you give me a bag of weed. <laughs> I took that bag of weed, and I just opened it up and shook it all over the ground. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, the devil's a loser. <laughs> you loser, right? But see, he said here, the reality is this. I could have walked away from that the day one. The first day that I had accepted Christ in my heart, I could have walked away from that. But I didn't realize. I didn't connect. I didn't know. But if I would have known that very first day that I have been translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, that very day I could have walked away from that. So you wonder why some people get saved and they change radically and some it takes longer? That's the reason why. Some, they understand, they know, they realize. You know, the Bible says, awake to righteousness. Let me ask you a question. Does the sun come out in the morning because you wake up? No. The sun's already out there. It's already shining bright. It's already doing its thing. Unless it's dank outside. That's the, new, that's the new weatherman term, dank. That means a cloudy day. So, But even a cloudy day, is the sun not up? It's up. It's there. So me waking up to righteousness isn't making righteousness come. It's already there. I'm just awake to it. That's ours. In the kingdom of God. And so we are in the kingdom of God. You have to, we, we have to know that right from the very, every day. We all have our, our routines. We all have our, our norms. We all have the things that we do uh, just kind of normal out of the day. I go to this job. I go to I drive this car. Uh, I I sleep in this bed, I eat food at this table. You know, there's all these things that just kind of make us more conscious of the fact that we're here on this planet Earth. But in reality, we are in the kingdom of God. You're in the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual kingdom, and that's why he said everyone that is born of the spirit, everyone that's in the kingdom of God that's born again, it's like it's like the wind blowing. You hear the sound, but you can't see it. It's an invisible kingdom. Now there's coming a day 
There's coming a day when the kingdom of God is going to come on the earth. Glory to God. Oh, man. Yeah, most high. Oh, I feel like running. The kingdom of, it's coming. But we're in it right now. See, we're in this kingdom. And so we're coming to that day. But now the kingdom is operating here in the realm of the spirit. It's like the wind. It's invisible. You don't necessarily see it. But when it manifests, just like wind, I don't look in the sky and go, oh, look at that wind. I see that wind traveling. Wow, look at that. It's going. But when I see the leaves, the trees, the debris, things blowing over, when I hear that sound, then I know the wind is here. So it is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, some people have gotten a little flaky on that. And they think, you know, well, you know, being led of the Spirit is kind of like being irresponsible, being offensive, just kind of doing weird things. But it's not. When you're working in the kingdom of God, when you're operating in the kingdom of God, lives change. People change. Evil gets pushed back. Good, good righteousness gets promoted. That's why we've got to continue to pray constantly for our government. Let's just pray now. Father, we just come before you, Lord, in one accord right now. Lord, we just come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for our government. We pray for our leaders. Father, we ask that the kingdom of God would manifest in our courtrooms, over those judges, over those uh, um, police officers, over the, the, the aldermen that are um, in leadership over certain territories and areas of the city. And we pray, Lord, that the kingdom of God would come upon them. It would come upon our, our capital. It would come upon our governor, the lieutenant governor. It would come upon all of those in our cabinet, the Senate, Lord. It would come upon them and the Congress. It would come upon them. It would come upon the White House. It would come upon the president and all of those in the cabinet, the, the, the Senate and the Congress. Father, we pray that the kingdom of God would manifest. The kingdom of God would manifest. Lord, you've manifested your kingdom in governments. Lord, you said that you're involved in governments, that you raise some up, you take some down. You're involved with it, Lord. And so we stand here right now, Lord, and we, we pray and we stand in the gap for our government. And we ask you, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Manifest your righteousness. Manifest your truth. Manifest what is right, what is pure. We take authority over lies. We take authority over deception. We command those seducing spirits and those doctrines of devils to be broken off of our government in the name of Jesus. We're the salt of the earth. So we need to continue to pray for our government. Pray for our leaders. And watch the change. So there's a spiritual kingdom. And we're in that kingdom. And we're operating in that kingdom. 
And it has a major force. You know, when wind, wind, it can be very powerful. Sometimes wind can be very gentle, be very refreshing. It can be, you know, you outside, it's a hot day, all of a sudden a little breeze comes. This is wonderful. Sometimes it can be tornadic and really tear things up. We want God to tear some things up, amen? Tear down some strongholds. Right. <laughs> so we're, we're operating in this kingdom. This is what is available to us. See, the more that we pray, the more that we cooperate, it's really a cooperation. The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So sometimes the reason why we're doing certain disciplines is we're trying to say, flesh, no. Spirit, yes. <laughs> flesh, no. Yeah. Seems like we're saying a lot more, no. <laughs> but see, we're, we're, we're cooperating. We're cooperating. That's why he said, when you pray, pray after this manner, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 30. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the Son of God? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Interesting. Two perceptions. One side was, could this be the Son of God? They're getting a revelation. They're starting to see something. I won't pick on you guys and say you're the other side. Because <laughs> you're, you're still with this side. You're, we're, all, we're all on board, amen? See, now this is something we have to watch and be careful for as God begins to move more and more. Because if we have inside of us unbelief, if we have inside of us an unwillingness to submit, then we're going to react adversely when God does things. We're going to oppose it. The Bible even says that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. There's always a battle going on. God's going to tell you to fast, and then what's going to happen is a box of free donuts going to show up at your desk. Every time, right? <laughs> There's a war going on. Now you could take that box of donuts and say, okay, I'm going to go bless somebody with that. But there's a struggle. And how do we respond to it? How are we going to respond to it? 
See, that's where we have to watch. Because the Bible even talks about in the last day, God's going to do some amazing things. He already has done some amazing things, and he's going to do more amazing things. And he calls these amazing things signs and wonders. Why is it called a wonder? You're like, I wonder what in the world that was. You know, when the day of Pentecost came, here they came out of the upper room speaking in other tongues. Some people looked at them and said, look at them, they're drunk. But other people heard them speak in their own native language the wonderful works of God. But the Bible goes back to Isaiah 28.11. In the middle of what God is saying, uh, prophesying, Isaiah is prophesying to a rebellious people that are they're supposed to be following God. They're living in rebellion. But he says, I'm going to perform a sign right in your very midst, and I'm going to, with another tongue and with stammering lips, I'm going to speak to these people. And some are not even going to hear it. They're not going to be listening to it. It's a sign. It's a wonder. So God's going to do some things. It's going to get really interesting. And you might not, you might not, you know, like, I don't know about this. But what you need to do is judge the fruit. Isn't that what Jesus said? Look at the fruit. You might look at a tree and go, that's the weirdest tree I've ever seen in my life. But look at the fruit. Is it bringing holiness? Is it bringing righteousness? Is it helping somebody change? Is it setting somebody free from sin and bondage? Is it helping people to be healed, to be draw closer to God? You know, sometimes people criticize other preachers, and I have and I have to say, well, why don't you just see what are they doing? Look at their fruit. Now, not everybody's going to be perfect. We're not always going to agree with one another. But it doesn't give me a right to talk evil or bad about you. It doesn't give me a right to judge you and say something's wrong with you. So we can't fight these things through unbelief. We have to be, okay, Lord, if I don't understand it, just pray. Just humbly go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand this. You know, when, when holy laughter came out, a lot of people were like, that is strange. People shouldn't be doing that. And yet it's in the Bible. He says, I will, fill their, I, will I will turn their captivity, and I will fill their mouth with laughter. It's right there in the Bible. Now, we're... Where you have to watch it is what, where are you trying to draw attention? When things begin to happen, what are you, where are you trying to draw the attention? Are you trying to draw it to yourself? Then you're off. If you're trying to draw the attention to the Lord, then you're on. But when you see something you don't understand, just go to God. What does your word say about this? You know, Joseph, when he heard that his, his espouse-to-be wife, Mary, was going to have a baby, he was like, I can't deal with this. I'm going to put her away privately. We're done. It's over. But yet it was right there in the Bible 
all along. I will give you a sign, a sign, a wonder. Behold, a virgin shall conceive a child. And here an angel from heaven, the Gabriel, not just a angel, like Gabriel's one of the top angels. He comes down, and what does he do? He just quotes the scripture. Kind of nice to have angels sit down and quote scriptures to you. That'd be kind of cool. But, but God's given us scriptures to read on our own, and he can lead us and show us these things. So if you don't understand something, just go to the scriptures. Just go to the scriptures. Just take some time to read it. Be humble. Be open. Lord, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. I know very little. But if you're doing something here, I want to know. I want to understand. I want to flow with you. Don't fight it. Don't speak against it. Because God's doing things, and we want to be on board. Amen. How many of you want to be on board? Hallelujah. So then he goes on, and he says, But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. A city or a house divided against itself will not stand. See, Satan's kingdom, he acknowledges that Satan does have a kingdom. If Satan cast out Satan... He is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? So he's acknowledging Satan has a kingdom. There's two kingdoms. We're, we're in the kingdom of God, but there is a kingdom of Satan around us. And he manifests himself through people to get you agitated. That's why Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. but against principalities, powers. See, the demon, the, the devil is putting a little burr in somebody. He's, he's agitating them. He's causing them to go through some situations, some problems, and now they're all kind of wound up a certain way, and then you're the lucky contestant <laughs> to bump into them when they're ready to explode. How many of you work with people like that? <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> oh. I try not to be that way at home, but, <laughs> but forgive me if I ever am. <laughs> it happens to all of us from time to time. But it's the enemy pushing buttons, prodding, agitating, putting thoughts, putting feelings, putting emotions, trying to get people to feel a certain way, act a certain way. And so a lot of times, what does that do? Then we fight back, right? We want to yell at them. We want to be angry at them. And then a war breaks out, and then we don't talk to them. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's a division. And Satan's like, ha, 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 ha. I did it again. But what does Jesus say? Pray for those who despitefully use you. Love them. Do good to your enemies. Why? Because that breaks that down. See, we're, we're, we're doing this not because that person deserves it. We're doing it as, an, as, a, as a retaliation attack. You know, when 9-11 when, when happened, what did, what did we do? We got our military together, and we went over there, and we said, okay, we're going after you guys. We're going we're gonna to drop some bombs on you. 
We're going to go after these terrorist groups. Well, how do we fight back? The kingdom of, of Satan. Oh, we've got to obey what the scripture says. Give no place to the devil. Walk in love. So if you feel these things, if you feel indifference, if you feel that you want to judge somebody, you want to, you want to put a judgment over somebody without talking to them. The Bible says if you see your brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, go to that one in the spirit of meekness. Talk to them. Maybe they need encouragement. Maybe they're missing it somewhere. Maybe they're struggling with something somewhere. You can correct a lot of things that way versus getting into strife. And the Bible says that if you do that, in, in 2 Timothy 2.25, he says if you go in there and you do that in the right spirit, they may acknowledge the truth and recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Isn't that what we want? We can't cut them off. We can't say, well, okay, they missed it. They're wrong. They're bad. Out you go. Pray for them. Go to them. Reach out to them. Because the thing we have to protect is what Paul says is endeavor to keep the spirit of unity. We've got to keep that in us. Many move, even Azusa Street. How many have ever heard of Azusa Street back in, you know, early 1900s? Powerful move of God. Some people just got together, hungry for God, began to pray, began to seek the Lord, and then God began to move, and a revival broke out, and it was so powerful that there were people coming to that, and they were getting touched by God, and they were getting propelled into ministries, and they were going out and starting world-changing ministries all over the planet just because they came into that environment and got touched by God in that move. And yet that move fell apart. Because they started jostling for who's the leader, who's the great one, who's the... It got into division. It got into strife. And Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself. It won't stand. Let's just pray. Father, we, we pray right now for, for, Lord, this church. I pray for our, our, what you've blessed us with. All the people that are here, all the... the the people that come, Lord, thank you for them. We pray a spirit of unity, Lord, just be upon all of us. Lord, that we would have grace and, and strength, and, and Lord, that we would look beyond the flesh, Lord. We look beyond just the outward things, but Lord, we'd look to you and maintain the spirit of unity and walk in love with one another and help one another, encourage one another, not judge our brother, but try to help our brother, try to, try to lift them up, try to be the repairer of the breach. Lord, we ask you to just keep our hearts in this place of restoration and unity to help what you're doing here in this place, Lord. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Now looking, I'm going to just jump down here. I've got six pages of note, and I'm still on page one. So what we're going to do is... <laughs> We're in trouble, aren't we? Get the lunch going. Start, start making food. We're going to be here a while. No, I'm just kidding. Go with me to Luke 11, verse 20 through 23. 
because there's four points I really want to get at. And here, this is Luke's rendition of what Matthew was talking about. And he says, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what is he saying? Whenever we operate in the Spirit, whenever we're moving in the Spirit, and we're allowing the Spirit of God to work through us to help other people, we are manifesting, we are working with God, manifesting the kingdom of God here on the earth. How many of you want to be a part of that? Amen. Lord, just continue to activate us. Hallelujah. So he goes on to say, and this is interesting, he says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace... His goods are safe. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Now that puts tremble in me. That's a very sobering statement. Because if I decide to be neutral with this, I'm, not, I'm, going, I'm actually working against the Lord. i got to be gathering with him. Because if I'm not, I'm scattering. And every day I just repent, God, get me more activated in the kingdom of God. Help me to activate more with the kingdom of God. Help me to do more with the kingdom of God. But here there's four actions that Jesus brought out here. Four actions. First action, when a stronger than he comes upon. Action one. Action two, overcomes him. Action three, takes from him all his armor. Action four, divides his spoils. The word comes upon him means to show up. In other words, when you're going through your day, you have a choice. How am I going to do this day? Am I going to do this day the natural way? Am I going to do this day the you know, nonchalant way? Am I going to do this day just you know, being natural me? Or am I going to do this day as a spirit-filled, born-again, anointed child of God in the kingdom of God? Am I going to do this day knowing that I am seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality, powers, dominions, might, names, everything, and that I have the blood of Jesus cleansing me, and that I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and I have already been made an overcomer? Am I going to do the day that way? You know, the world says when somebody who's maybe a, a performer or an athletic person and they come and they do their thing, what do they say? Oh, man, they really, their game was on. They really showed up. Well, that's what this is saying. We got to show up. We got to take the bushel, rip it off the candle, and let that light shine. Because that's who God made us to be. We're lights in the world. We're salt to the earth. So we got to show up as who we are in Christ. And then it says he overcomes him. That word to overcome means to have, the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So there's having that faith of knowing that we overcome him, but it's also talking about a power. 
There is a power that comes in us that is not just a one-time deal. It's not just a one-time shot. We come to church. We feel the power of God. It hits us. It moves in us. It touches us. But then it, it's not supposed to be something that just stays here. It's something that we are activating every day. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me once a long time ago when I was praying. Every day. Every day. Strengthens every day. Every day. You know, sometimes we say, well, you know, maybe I'm not going to pray today. Maybe I'm not going to read my Bible today. And you, as a Christian, can be okay with God. God's not going to kick you out of his kingdom if you didn't pray or read your Bible. He's not going to say, I'm done with you. Okay, you're out. But if you're not staying strong, it's going to have an impact on the people around you. They're the ones, the ones that don't have the Lord, the ones that don't know Christ, the ones that are struggling. They're the ones that are going to feel the impact of that. So when you get up in the morning and you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm not going to pray today. Pray. Because you don't know who God's going to send your way. You don't know who's gonna, you're going to bump into. And you want to be ready. You want to show up. And then you want to show up as an overcomer. You want to show up knowing. See, that's the thing. God wants us to know at all times, no matter where we're at in the battle. If we're over here where the battle is over, way in the horizon, or if we're right there feeling the battle come upon us, or we're really in the thick of a struggle, or, uh, no matter where we are in the whole process, God wants, to know that, wants us to know that we are already overcomers. We've already won. We're more than conquerors. Sometimes we don't, we miss it. Sometimes we don't figure it out. You know, we have to kind of go through a process of learning, and that's, that's kind of the struggle of this. But even in the midst of that, we're overcomers. We're overcomers. If the devil beats you up all day long, it doesn't change the fact you are an overcomer. You've overcame him. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It doesn't change the facts. You're an overcomer. So we come into a situation right away. How do we identify ourselves? I'm an overcomer. Now, I may not be experiencing that at this moment, but I'm an overcomer. I'm overcoming this. I've already got the victory. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like the Jacksonville Jaguars when they were playing, uh, oh, they were playing, um, uh, come on, I got to think where that team was. They were down 27 to zero. Chargers. Chargers, there you go. 27 to zero. They could have folded up the towel said, this is it. We can't win this game. It's already the third quarter. We're making mistakes left and right. But there was something in them. Their coach kept telling them, we can do this. You can do this. You've got you just hang in there. Stay in there. Keep fighting. You can do this. They kept that other team from scoring, and they came back and won the game by three points. We're overcomers. And then we take his armor. The devil has armor. 
The devil's armor is fear, unbelief, condemnation, rejection. You know, those are, the, those are like the, the, the key things that when you look at all of the problems, look at every problem that we are dealing with in our society and how people are being tormented and how they're doing wrong things, how they're hurting one another, and you go down to the root and you go, what made this guy go out and kill 10 people? What makes this person be so mean? What makes this person go crazy in their car and have road rage? What, what makes a person take drugs? What are all the things that are causing people... To do bad things. And you get to the core. It's unbelief. It's fear. It's condemnation. It's rejection. And it's a consciousness of the law of sin and death. So we come in. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power, love, and a sound mind. God has, not, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has already given to us a spirit of faith. Whether you feel it or not, if you're born again, you have a spirit of faith on the inside of you. You have an ability to believe God, trust God for whatever you need, whenever you need it. And when people see you walking in faith, that spoils the devil's unbelief. So as we walk in these things, see, we, we, we take that armor off of him. People begin to people see. I don't have to be bound by fear. I can believe God. You get healed. You tell somebody who, about what God does. What's, what happens? That spirit of faith is all over them. That unbelief is starting to get away from them. When Jesus' disciples couldn't heal that man's son because they gave up too quick, they didn't have enough faith to persevere, what happened? A spirit of unbelief came upon that man. It hindered him. But on the other hand, when Jesus was doing stuff and he was healing people and people were seeing how powerful he was, they were coming to him in faith. And many times, what did Jesus say? According to your faith, be it done unto you. What was he doing? He was spoiling the devil's armor. He was taking that unbelief, taking it right, right away from him. So we've got to take his armor. We've got to show people we're loved of God, we're accepted by God, we're the righteousness of Christ, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All of these things, it takes his armor away. It exposes him. And it shows that what he has doesn't have the power to control these people. And then he said, divide the spoils. What did John the Baptist preach? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus preach? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did Jesus tell his disciples to preach? Go out and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. We've got to tell people more about the kingdom of heaven. And as we tell them about the kingdom of heaven, then that begins to, A, help us show up, B, help us to know that we're overcomers, C, begin to take his armor, strip his armor from him, and now we're going to take a spoil, whatever he has control over, whatever he has influence over, whatever he is dominating. 
we're coming in. We're changing that. So as you go to your job tomorrow, whatever you got to do, maybe you got to put on a special hat, maybe you got to tie a, a, a wristband around your wrist, whatever it is. But you go in there, you go, okay, I am an ambassador for Christ. See, here's the thing. From God's perspective, he has reconciled the whole world unto himself. He's already reconciled them. It's like God put a million dollars in everybody's bank account. And some people are seeing there's a million dollars and they're like getting blessed by it. And some people are struggling and they don't even know it's there. And so God wants people to know. I've reconciled. I've done that. I paid the price. And he's going to do it through us. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So I just want to encourage us to operate more in the kingdom of God. Be more kingdom-minded. Operate more in that. I know we're going through things. I know that we have struggles. But A, these, this, everything around here is going to be dissolved. This is temporary. Your problems are temporary. Whatever it is you're going through, it's like a storm. It can come in, it can blow up, but it's going to go away and the sun's going to come out. But the kingdom of God, that's what's going to last. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, Lord, that we are operating in your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us power. You've given us authority, Lord, to operate in your kingdom. And you told us to go out and do this, to show up, to overcome, to take his armor and to spoil his goods, to gather with you. And so, Lord, we just purpose in our heart that this year, 2023, we're going to set more people free. We declare that right now because you've positioned us to do that. You've enabled us to do that. You've empowered us to do that. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Hallelujah.